Welcome to the Compliance 911 Show, a no-nonsense podcast discussing hot topics for today's busy compliance professional. It's everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but we're afraid to ask. And now, here are your hosts, Dean Stockford of M&M Consulting and Len Suzio of Geodata Vision. Welcome to our podcast series addressing everything you wanted to know about regulatory compliance, but were afraid to ask. Dean, lately I have heard lots of chatter surrounding fair lending and compliance circles, political forums, and from financial institutions too. What have you been seeing or hearing in your travels? Len, it's nice to see you again, and I'm glad you brought this up. Over the last few months, it's become abundantly clear that the Biden administration and racial inequity will be front and center and will be the focus for regulators under this administration. In fact, the first week Biden was in office, he issued a memo directing the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development to review all Trump-era fair housing rules. And if this isn't enough to get your attention, the acting director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau wrote that fair lending enforcement is the CFPB's top priority, and the Bureau will be taking much-needed action to protect consumers. Holy smokes. If those actions and statements aren't enough, I am not sure what is. Have there been any recent changes to the fair lending that have impacted these bold statements made by uh, the folks you just quoted? Well... Well, we've seen the CFPB issue an interpretive rule to enforce discrimination protections for LGBT individuals in a bill, H.R. 166, Fair Lending for All Act, that was introduced to Congress in January of this year. A final report of the Small Business Review Panel on the CFPB's proposals under consideration for the Small Business Lending Data Collection Rulemaking we have yet to see any specific regulatory changes. Although we have seen stepped-up enforcement and enhanced expectation, there have been no new regulatory changes to ECOA or Fair Housing Act, which are known collectively under the heading of fair lending. So, Dean, if we haven't seen any recent regulatory changes, can you highlight the current expectations for fair lending? Yeah, sure can, Len. This is getting a, a little bit confusing but we view the technical provisions and regulatory expectations for appropriate analysis a little different. Fair lending is a regulatory concept that is made up from two different laws, which are the Equal Credit Opportunity Act and the Fair Housing Act. Under these two acts, there are several technical provisions that include timeliness for responding to applications, the notification of action taken, disclosure, appraisal requirements, and a collection of government monitoring information, just to name a few. Today, I'll focus on the various forms of discrimination that have resulted in monetary penalties being assessed. There are essentially three types of discrimination, the first being over-discrimination. This is an action, a statement, a writing that's discriminatory on its face. An example of that that we've seen probably more recent have been discouraging loan applicants from applying um, and, and, and that's primarily because of system-related or information that we have at our fingertips relative to our consumers. Disparate treatment is the one we probably see the most uh, widely used or applied by regulators. 
Uh, and that deals uh, with uh, different treatment for protected class applicants um, versus non-protected class applicants. An example of that, a male, female, they have the same economic attributes, but the female is treated less favorably with the pricing of a loan. We also saw issues several years ago as it relates to the credit report process. If I walked in with my wife and we applied for a joint credit, they would pull a joint credit report on us and there was a fee associated with that, let's just say $10. If I came in with uh, my significant other, um, as an example, and we applied for joint credit, they would pull individual reports on us. And those two reports uh, totaled greater than the fee to the married couple. And as a result of that, um, the regulators uh, uh, cited that as a regulatory violation. It actually would get escalated all the way to the Department of Justice. Um, and there was restitution that needed to be paid. So institutions have woken up when it, as it relates to that particular uh, form of disparate treatment. And then the third is disparate impact. That's a policy that's neutral on its face, but could have a dis discriminatory impact on a group or individual by setting loan policy limits, which have the disproportionate adverse effect on a group or individual. And the example that's provided uh, commonly by the regulators is single women who live in lower income housing uh, and have lower incomes could be impacted by that type of policy limitation, better known as disparate impact. So Dean, out of the three types of discrimination, you indicate disparate treatment is more frequently cited by examiners. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure, Len. In my experience, a great deal of emphasis has been placed on disparate treatment. Evidence of discrimination is fairly easy to identify as they often pertain to different treatment in the underwriting standards with such things as loan pricing, the fees, the processing times, credit scoring, uh, redlining, uh, to name a few. Uh, traditionally, financial institutions have limited their testing to a comparison of approvals and denials uh, in, in looking at what those rates are, but also the characteristics of those that you've approved versus those that you've denied, uh, so on and so forth. But the regulatory expectations have expanded significantly over the last few years, especially with the changes to HMDA expanded data collection fields. Institutions really need to conduct full data analysis based on information that's gleaned from the loan application register. Not, not only is it important to compare specific loan characteristics, it also compares market data for peers which with similar characteristics. Uh, and, you know, Dean, GeoData Vision, we're a data-driven company, and I can certainly appreciate what you're saying regarding full data analysis. And we've seen a, a big uptick in these types of requests from our clientele recently. You mentioned Humda data collection. Do you have expectations that pertain only to those lenders who are Humda reporters, or are there other lenders that should be uh, concerned? If I didn't know any better, I'd say you're reading my mind, Len. No, the expectations are not just extended to those Humda reporters, but it certainly makes things much easier on those who are already collecting and reporting the data. If you're not a Humda reporter, the financial institution should maintain key data points in order to conduct an appropriate analysis. If your institution is merely comparing denial and approval rates, you most likely will not fare well in your next exam. In addition, if you are a Humda reporter, be darn sure you've scrubbed or are confident in your reported data. If your data is flawed, you'll most likely fail the fair lending test. Yeah, that's interesting, Dean. Now, do you know if the expectations 
are confined to just consumer reportable transactions or does commercial activity also apply? Len, this is why I like the back and forth. You just brought up another very interesting and most likely the hottest fair lending issue in 2021. Part of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, Section 10071, amended ECOA to require financial institutions to compile, maintain, submit certain data on applications for credit for women-owned, minority-owned, and small businesses. The Bureau is now in the process of writing regulation to implement, but notable changes will require the collection and reporting of mandatory data points, which include such things as whether an applicant is a woman-owned, minority-owned, or a small business, application loan number, application date, loan credit type, the loan credit purpose, the credit amount, the limit applied for, the credit amount, the limit approved, the type of action that's taking, the action date that it's been taken, census tract, which is principal place of business, a gross annual revenue, race, sex, ethnicity of the principal owner of the app, which is rather significant. This is all pretty interesting, Dean. So if you had to sum up in your views for fair lending in 2021, what would you say to bankers who are listening to this podcast? Well, I think the simplest thing is to say, start now with an action plan to address the law changes. Follow the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau website for timeframes and specifics surrounding the changes, and do not downplay any evidence of discrimination. Dean, I've always believed in action plans, and what you've just laid out, I think, for our audience is a good suggestion regarding planning and getting ready for the changes coming up and the emphasis on fair lending. And we hope that your listeners today really enjoyed the podcast and found it not only informative, but something that might motivate them to develop an action plan for their own institution. This is Len Suzio from GeoDataVision. And this is Dean Stockford from M&M Consulting saying thank you for listening to today's topic on fair lending in 2021. And to please let us know of any topics you would like to hear of in the future. Thanks for listening to the Compliance 911 Show. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, please give us a like and review to help others find the show. As always, links are in the show notes, and you can always find us online at compliance911show.com. Follow M&M Consulting and GeoData Vision on LinkedIn for all the latest news and information on compliance hot topics.